This is Montgomery Talks, our regular podcast on county issues. I'm Doug Tolman, senior reporter at Montgomery Community Media. Our guest today is Adam Ortiz, Montgomery County's Director of Environmental Protection. Welcome, Mr. Ortiz. Thanks for having me, Doug. You're the former mayor of Edmondson in Prince George's County. More recently, you were Prince George's County's uh, Environment Director, and then switched jobs to become, to take the Montgomery County job at the start of the County Executive Mark Elrich's term. What lured you to Montgomery County? Well, Montgomery has a great reputation for leadership in all sorts of environmental categories. And um, I had a great experience and, and the privilege of serving in the Richard Baker's cabinet with the environmental program there. Had a lot of ideas, but, you know, I believe in, you know, term limits for environmental directors. <laughs> and it was time for me to move on and grow personally. But uh, the county executive um, had a, a really ambitious and exciting environmental agenda putting together a great team, and um, it was time for me to grow, but I, I was really, really excited about being part of this community to help move uh, the environmental movement forward, not just in Montgomery, but also as a, as, a, as a leader nationwide. So does that mean you're leaving, and if you're in favor of term limits, does that mean you're leaving in eight or 12 years? And that, yes, yes, if that far. <laughs> Wow. I mean, you, you, you're serious about this. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't want to um, predict the future, but I think, you know, in public service, at least for me personally, you know, I get, you know, my motivation is making change and innovating and taking things to the next level. Personally, I don't have an interest in being a bureaucrat for a long period of time. That's not where my strength is. That works for other people, and uh, and some people are, you know, that's what gets their charge, and that's their contribution. But for me, you know, I'm here to, you know, help make a difference. And um, and if I don't have the fire in the belly, it's time for me to move on. But that's not happening anytime soon. So um, <laughs> certainly for the rest of this term, and you know, with any luck, the next term. Okay. Uh, so we're talking on Earth Day. It's a beautiful day outside. In light of Earth Day, what are some things that the average Montgomery County resident can do to better our environment. Well, Doug, the great thing about environmental work is that everybody can do something. And, you know, all the environmental challenges that we have today, um, some of them are from big things, but a lot of those challenges come from lots of small things that happen that accumulate in our environment. So conversely, the way that we can make a difference is by doing small things every day in, a, in just our daily decision making. So simple things like making sure that we're recycling right, if we're traveling to try to use uh, public transportation or walking or minimize trips or carpooling and simple things like turning off the light when we leave the room. When we go to the store, are we choosing to purchase products that are environmentally sustainable, whether they use low energy or they're made from recycled materials or are recyclable themselves? So everything that we do has an impact, Doug, positive or negative. And, you know, at this Earth Day, we're asking people just to pause and say, hey, is what I'm doing the most sustainable way to do it? You mentioned off the air that you were at the corner farm this morning. Can you describe that? Yeah, the county executive, myself, and uh, Adriana Hotchberg, who's uh, our climate czarina uh, in the Montgomery County government, were at Coiner Farm, which is an urban farm, the only urban farm in Montgomery County, located just a few blocks from downtown Silver Spring. 
the farm is a, a legacy farm uh, for Mr. Kiner, who uh, assembled, I think, six lots uh, to create a resource for the community. Today, it's run by a nonprofit volunteer organization. They're growing local food uh, in partnership with the community. And today, we were there to celebrate um, their installation of an on-site composting facility. So why that's important, Doug, is you know they generate a lot of plant material that they put at the curb, and then it's taken to our facility in Dickerson for composting, which is fine. But they wanted to keep it on-site because they're also looking for healthy, clean compost material for their farm. So they're creating a closed-loop system there where they can take that material, compost it, and put it right back into the soil on-site. Okay. So how much do they generate every year? Do you know? Um, I don't know. Um, But the system that they have is a a three-bin system, and I know that we're on a podcast so people can't uh, see it, but it's about five feet tall and about 12 feet wide. It's a three-bin system. And uh, probably, I would guess, about a cubic yard of material can be processed at a given time. They say it'll take about three months for the material to be fully processed to be able to go back into the soil. Okay. One of your duties as environmental protection director has to deal with the waste the county generates. And um, I had to do a little math, but it appears that the county produces about 1.2 million pounds a year of waste. Am I in the right ballpark? Yeah, that's right. Where does it all go? Well, it goes to a variety of, so if we're looking at the waste stream writ large, about 60% of what Montgomery County is putting out at the curb is ending up in recycling or composting. That currently is the highest in the state of Maryland. Prince George's is about half a percentage point behind. So that's pretty good overall. The balance of that material goes to the incinerator in Dickerson. You know, the waste stream is, is interesting because most of what's even going to the incinerator now is not waste. A lot of that material has value. So the charge in the Elrich administration is to try to divert as much of that material as well into composting and recycling. That's good for the environment, but it's also um, a responsible way to handle taxpayer dollars. Okay. Let's see. I saw that the county uh, recycles about 740,000 pounds of that 1.2 million. Does that sound about right? Um, I think it's higher than that, but I don't have the numbers in front of me. Which is about 60% of the county's trash. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a, a move possibly just inside the Elridge administration to increase 60 to 70 percent, correct? Well, that's a countywide goal to get to 70 percent by 2020. So we've got 10 percentage points to go in a year, which we're going to try to meet, but it's a little bit ambitious. I think, though, um, that we can surpass 70 percent and possibly get into the low 80s in the next 10 years, if not sooner, by doing a few things. One, I think we can upgrade our infrastructure here, our recycling and waste stream infrastructure, so we're able to take more material. Also, I think we can do more partnering with the private sector to make sure that a lot of the material that's in um, our communities is indeed recyclable. And then third, that we can educate residents and we have some idea of what parts of the county are not recycling as much as they should be to get those rates up. So there's a lot that can be done, I think, to not just continue to lead the state of Maryland, but also lead the country, you know, with the right policies and infrastructure. Okay. And the county does receive some cash for what it recycles, correct? Well, it depends on the commodity. So overall, Doug, anytime you're composting or recycling, you're saving money. 
There's been a lot written and talked about about changes in the international recycling market. For um, more than a decade, the vast majority of our paper and plastic goods were going to Asia, mostly China, where they were they were using that material um, in their manufacturing. In the last two years, they've uh, cracked down and are no longer no longer accepting our material because it's too dirty. It's uh, contaminated, particularly the paper. So that caused a crash in the global recycling markets, and there has been some written about um, some jurisdictions that are deciding not to recycle anymore. Well, in Montgomery, uh, we think that's a, a terrible decision because a you know, we're still saving money uh, compared to incinerating it or some jurisdictions landfill it. So recycling still makes money. And some commodities are still worth a lot of money. So, for example, Doug, aluminum is worth about $1,300 a ton, you know, just from mostly aluminum cans. Here in Montgomery, we have dual stream recycling where we separate paper and cardboard from the commingled containers. And that actually creates a very clean uh, paper waste stream that we're able to sell as well. One of the interesting things, Doug, is, um, you know, in this debate, you know, people are talking about and jurisdictions are having uh, lively debates about, you know, is recycling worth it? Should we just like start landfilling or incinerating everything? And, um, you know, we think that, no, no, we got to stay the course for a few different reasons. One, it's just a market correction like any other commodity. You know, I'm confident that it will bounce back. And even though China isn't taking our material, Doug, what we're seeing is that in the United States, um, there are more pulp mills being expanded and being built that are taking this paper. So as we're correcting the market, we're actually creating jobs here in the United States for material that we were sending, like literally halfway around the world from our, our kitchens and living rooms. So, um, so it's an interesting time. It's a time of transition. And in Montgomery, we're committed to uh, stick with recycling and uh, make sure that it works economically as well. Hmm. How much does the county receive for its recycled goods? Uh, well, it depends on the commodity overall. I mean, overall, um, how much is it? So it's helpful. The most helpful way is to think of it in terms of dollars per ton. So the incinerator, uh, if we compare it to different different types of ways that we dispose of it. So the incinerator is about $47 a ton to process material there. Recycling is in the high 30s. Again, depending on the commodity, glass, uh, we get little to nothing, but aluminum, as I mentioned, is highly profitable. And then composting, we about break even. So um, sometimes we make money on the commodity, but even if we lose money, Doug, it's still a savings compared to sending it to the incinerator or to a landfill, which is even more expensive. Okay. What can the county do to increase its recycling? Well, there's a few different things. One is that we're identifying that multifamily properties, condos, uh, and apartments, their recycling rate is not as high as it should be. So in the next fiscal year, we're going to be focusing a lot more on um, education and compliance uh, for those places so residents are participating more. We're finding that some of our newer immigrant communities um, are not recycling as much as well. So it's incumbent on us to educate in different languages. And then also, we're really, really interested in doing more food scrap composting. So um, about 40% of what's going to the incinerator is actually food. Food can be composted and sold for profit. A lot of folks listening are familiar with the Leaf Grow soil amendment compost that can be bought at Lowe's or Home Depot or, or any uh, home or, uh, or nursery, home store or nursery. 
So we want to capture the food and start composting that more. We're going to be focusing in the next fiscal year, which starts in July, Doug, on large-scale food distributors. So these are places that provide food to um, supermarkets and restaurants throughout the region because a lot of that material is getting thrown out by the ton if it isn't quite uh, ready for the shelf. But by doing that, we can make a big difference in terms of the economics of the waste stream and that people are getting more value for dollar in the solid waste fees that they're paying on the tax bill. Okay. I think now would be a good time to take a quick break. You're listening to Montgomery Talks with Adam Ortiz, Montgomery County's Director of Environmental Protection. We'll be right back. MCM, your community media center, is making Montgomery County a great place to live through programs like 21 This Week. Montgomery County's hardest-hitting political talk show keeps you up to date with the local political scene. Montgomery Community Media. Our middle name is Community. And we're back with Montgomery Talks, and I'm speaking with Adam Ortiz, the county's environmental uh, protection director. You've mentioned several times the Dickerson incinerator. Obviously, it's in Dickerson. Can you describe it? So it's a waste-to-energy facility where um, everything that uh, can't be recycled or composted in the waste stream, or at least uh, that people put out and they put in their trash bins, ends up there. The material is um, burned, and then uh, that energy is captured and then you know, sold to Pepco. The overall cost per ton, we were talking earlier about cost per ton, is about $47, which is a pretty good price for disposal. And that includes about $15 million in energy sales that the county has. The ash, which ends up being about a third of the tonnage of what goes in, is uh, then sent by rail to a landfill in Richmond. Okay. So the county doesn't pay for that ash to be landfilled. That's included in the $47 a ton? That's um, The $47 a ton is all in. So oh. that includes the cost for transport. That includes the cost for operating the, the facility itself. That also includes, you know, revenue sales as well. Right. Okay. And the incinerator's been problematic, correct? Uh, about three years ago, there was um, a fire, which, you know, of course is problematic. And then it's been a very hot political issue. Residents, particularly um, around that area, have been concerned for a long time about having it in the neighborhood. And the county executive during the campaign was clear about his intention to shut it down in time. So, yeah, uh, certainly a hot topic. And, um, you know, the charge that I've received from the county executive is to start reducing the waste stream, going to it as much as possible, you know, with the hope of making it obsolete in time. Okay. Now, one of the other ways it's problematic is it emits about a half million tons worth of pollution each year? Yes, it, uh, it does. It is highly regulated by the Maryland Department of Environment. So it is, you know, I also want to say that it's fully compliant with all Clean Air Act requirements. And um, actually, all that data we do publish on the DEP's website, so residents can check that out. But yeah, absolutely. You know, all disposal has some impacts, so, and they're all regrettable. Uh, landfills, for example, emit you know, a remarkable amount of methane, which is also greenhouse gas. So as we make our decisions in the Elrich administration, you know, we need to find ways of disposal when we move past the incinerator that are also environmentally healthy. Mm-hmm. The methane in a landfill, though, can be captured, correct? 
That's true. However, though, even cap landfills leak um, and okay. estimates range between 25 and 50 percent. So yeah, there's, there's no great way to dispose of stuff unless it's recycled and composting. And that's why the county executive is so focused on getting our, our waste aversion rate up, because there's nothing better than recycling and composting. Okay. In February, I believe the Elrich administration was asked, maybe by Bethesda Beat, that um, what the plan was for Dickerson. And I think at the time, there really wasn't a plan. Maybe it only been in office for a couple of months, but it's been a couple of months since then. Is there any more formation of a plan on what to do with Dickerson? So there's a few things that we're doing, Doug. We're in the process of a zero waste master plan that will be completed by fall, and that will give us a better roadmap for getting the material down. The charge that I've received from the county executive is to get the amount of waste that we're sending to the incinerator today equal to the amount of ash that we're sending to the landfill. So I described earlier that about a third of of what goes into the incinerator comes out as ash, and then we're shipping that. The county executive has asked me to get a roadmap to get to that level of material, so we're just sending that to another landfill someplace. So there's a few different things that we can do. Uh, We're not waiting to get going on some things. We have money in this budget, and we're currently looking for sites for a food scrap composting facility. As I mentioned earlier, that's about 40% of what we're sending to the landfill. If we can get a vast majority of that tonnage um, going to a, a composting facility, that's a big, big step. So we're working on the plan, but in the meantime, we're doing things already that's going to um, get us there. Okay. Do you have an, uh, a rough idea of the number of tons of food scraps that would be diverted? It's probably in the neighborhood of 240,000 tons. Okay, so roughly 20% of the county's waste. Yeah, I think that it's ambitious, but I think that's realistic in the next um, five or six years with the right infrastructure and the right policy and the right partnerships. And do you know that there are places to put the compost that comes from food scrap? Is there a way that if you create it, it can be used? Yeah, so that's it's... Believe it or not, rotting food is super fascinating field, Doug. <laughs> the waste stream itself is a super fascinating area. So, um, so right now, Montgomery County does a lot of curbside composting. Tacoma Park, Chevy Chase, a number of communities have programs where people put their stuff out at the curb and it's taken away. Currently, it's taken to a facility in Prince George's County outside of Upper Marlboro, the Western Branch Organics Composting Facility, which I established several years ago. So the stuff is going there and it's being turned into a product called Leaf Grow Gold, which is a a premium compost product that's sold to landscapers and nurseries throughout the region. There's a tremendous market for this material. And um, the loads that Prince George's produces is sold out by about mid to late June of every single year. So we know that there's a huge market need for the product. But also, Doug, on the front end, there's a lot of demand for getting rid of the material. We get calls all the time, we get questions all the time. How can I compost more? Is the county going to do more to pick up uh, my food scraps at the curb? So, um, so yeah, there is a movement, and we're figuring out how to respond. Okay. You mentioned before a zero-waste master plan. How far along is that in development? So there's a, a work group that's uh, been meeting uh, since the Leggett administration, actually, and a draft is coming together that uh, we're going to see internally probably in the next month or so. So that is coming along. The group with a, a consultant, uh, HDR consultants, who have done zero waste plans for New York City, Austin, Toronto, other places, 
have looked at, I think, four dozen best practices out there and are evaluating and ranking them as to their applicability and implementability here in Montgomery. I got a briefing on it two weeks ago. I was very impressed with some of the ideas that are that are coming out and uh, you know, very excited to, to present it to the public later this year. Anything you care to share now? Food is big. You know, we've already talked a lot uh, about food okay. this morning. Looking at incentivizing or saving money for people that are putting less trash out. So they're different. They're called pay-as-you-throw um, systems, but actually it's save-as-you-throw if you're putting less and less uh, material in the trash bin and more into the recycling bin. Also, policies are requiring, uh, mandating with compliance and, and oversight that businesses, especially industrial level, are doing everything possible to recycle and compost and not putting stuff in the trash. I'm going to sound like a skeptic only because, uh, and hey, granted, no <laughs> you're in the media. That's your job. <laughs> well, um, I, and, and, and I realize that, that the scale is, is, is vastly different, but I don't know, you've probably seen a handful of the videos of people saying, here's a mason jar of all the trash I cre- created last year. And I look at those and I think, that doesn't seem right. I mean, <laughs> where did the Band-Aids go? Where did, where did the old Kleenex go? Where, I mean, that does, and you see what looks like just a handful of things. It doesn't look like I go through one pollen season and I've got a trash bag full of old Kleenex, which I'm sure is not recyclable. It is compostable, however. So there's a few things, and you, you make a great point. Can we get every household in Montgomery to get to a mason jar's worth of trash in a year? That might be a little ambitious, but we can definitely make some progress. I mean, already we're finding that, you know, people might have one bag of trash put out every week. Some people are putting their trash out every other week or once a month. And it goes down to a combination of things. One is how are we at the household level and at the business level handling the waste that we have? Are we you know, truly composting and recycling properly. So, you know, the napkin, I'm not picking on you, Doug, because, you know, so are we making it easy and do you have the education as a resident to to compost? Can you put it out the curb? Can you, so it's incumbent on us to help make those connections and get that. And then there's the consumer level decisions and that's something the government doesn't have much control over, but what are the materials that people are getting? So I was at Dawson's Market before I came over here. You see, I have my reusable, you know, coffee cup here. stainless steel, you know, and I remembered to bring it into the store so I didn't have to um, use one of their cups as well. A lot of talk about plastic bags in, in recent years. You know, more and more folks are, you know, keeping a stash of reusable plastic bags in the trunk of their car. So when they go to the grocery store, they use those. Purchasing products in bulk, you know, rather than packaged product. You know, those consumer level decisions may seem small, but on a, a social scale really add up and um, can get us closer to that you know, one mason jar a year's worth of stuff. Okay. And what about the different kinds of plastic? I'm somewhat of a recycling, uh, I'll even say recycling Nazi in that I'll I'll look to see what the the number is on the bottom and try to memorize what is and isn't recyclable. But it just seems like there's so many and you get thrown curves every day because you say, oh, this feels like something that can be recycled. And then you find out, eh, the number doesn't jive. How's the county on recycling plastic? How many different kinds of plastic can be recycled and what happens to it? Doug, that's a great question. And I'm just going to do a quick aside in that, you know, we're, we're expecting 2030 results here in Montgomery County on recycling with 1990s systems. 
And um, that's true in the infrastructure. And, you know, we're in the process of upgrading the recycling facility here in Montgomery, which I'm happy to talk about, but also in the numbering system. So it turns out that ones and sixes are not recyclable. But, you know, when you and I do the same thing, we look at the bottom of that container, look at the bottom of that cup, and we look for the little triangle recycling logo thingy, and then, you know, we put it in. But sixes are, you know, basically a form of condensed styrofoam, which are not recyclable, but it has, you know, what I consider that misleading icon at the bottom. So there is um, some policy making, I think, on a grander scale and engagement with the industry to take some of this stuff offline. Washington, D.C. recently banned plastic straws, and that's something that we're looking at here in Montgomery County because they're not recyclable. Styrofoam has been banned in Prince George's, Montgomery, and D.C. as a region. We did it together a few years ago. And I think we need to look at those other materials, like those number six plastics, Doug, that seem like they belong, but they don't belong in the waste stream, and then they just end up in the incinerator. To get away from recycling, another area that you need to oversee, I believe, is private trash haulers. And we've had, Montgomery County seems to have a love-hate relationship with its trash haulers. They love it when the trash goes away. They hate it when it doesn't. Um, And every couple of years, there seems to be, I think, a, a labor issue with the trash haulers. Is there any update on how the next couple of years will be handled? Right. So there's uh, the county council last year passed a law, and I wasn't here, so I can't speak in a, a lot of detail about it, that the contractors need to be union shops you know, by, by a date certain. So that, we expect, will make a difference as well. You know, our job in terms of the customer experience is to be responsive anytime somebody's trash isn't picked up or recycling isn't picked up. If there's spillage and it's not cleaned up or if there's a container that was taken away and then, you know, put in your neighbor's yard or put in the sidewalk or in the middle of the street or something, you know, it's our job to hold the the contractors accountable. So we ask everybody listening, anytime that there's some shortcoming in service, people are dissatisfied or they see something that's not right, whether it's, you know, for ear service or for a neighbors or something you see in the community, please call 311 because we want to make sure that the contractors are doing their job. Okay. You also administer the bag tax? Yes. As taxes go, it's probably one of the easiest ones to avoid, but as taxes go, people probably complain more about the bag tax than they do their property tax. According to the latest budget book, it's about $2.5 million a year. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Uh, we think so. You know, the, you know, and I, I understand how some people don't like it, of course. Uh, I understand that. You know, but sitting in this seat, you know, the government at the end of the day is in charge of cleaning up all the litter in the county. And counties spend, um, big metropolitan counties like ours spend more than $10 million a year just cleaning up uh, litter on the side of the road. A lot of this stuff is um, material that can't be recycled, material that doesn't break down over time. So, you know, we need to you know, use all the tools in the toolbox to help consumers make better decisions and also to help, you know, keep funding it. For many years, our solid waste charge has been pretty flat here in the county. That's because we've been able to, you know, cover some of those costs through impact fees like the bag tax. But like you say, it's avoidable and there's you know, no shortage of reusable bags out there in the community and they can contact, folks can contact our office if they want some, you know, a way that we can help the environment without you know, paying that nickel tax. Okay. Montgomery County loves its trees and as beautiful as they are, they're essentially captured carbon, which would also seem to be part of the environmental goals of the county. 
But yet I drive down median strips that look like they're just bare and could use um, Pacific use, or there's the rights of way for power lines. Mm. Um, easily there could be a row of trees in there. It seems like there's lots of places to plant more trees. Um, what's the plans, if any? Doug, I just want to say I like the way you're thinking. You and I are going to be friends <laughs> because um, I have the same beef all the time. And, um, you know, and we were talking about this with the county executive, and we're still new. We've only uh, been here a few months. But there's not an explicit tree canopy goal for the county. I think we can be a lot more ambitious about our tree planting. And we have, we have some great programming, don't get me wrong. Well, we're doing a lot of things right, but I think together we can up our game. And this isn't just the Department of Environmental Protection, but the utilities need to be involved. I have the same exact thought when I drive by those big transmission lines. You know, there's literally tens of thousands of barren acres that could go to better use. Um, in my last job, we began engaging Pepco with this exact discussion. They, uh, they were open to finding other uses under those power lines that were more environmental, and that's a conversation we're going to continue to pick up. In our department, one of the things I'm bringing in this role is a big emphasis on data and uh, metrics and mapping. So currently, we're undergoing a very detailed mapping exercise for the entire county and all of its environmental assets, including stream, uh, water quality, and soon we're going to be moving into trees. So I want to map all the trees in the county, all the opportunities for, um, for tree planting to increase the tree canopy, and figure out um, some kind of contracting mechanism to be able to fill in those spaces. Because I agree with you, there's a lot of opportunity for more trees that you know, is good for the environment, but also for you know, the curb appeal of our neighborhoods. And what role would your agency have on the county solar power efforts? Great question. So, you know, I can't give enough credit to the county executive for, you know, making this issue front and center. He um, hired an assistant chief administrative officer, which is sort of the number, number two level position in the government, a woman named Adriana Hotchberg, who lives in the county but has worked in D.C. for a long time on environmental issues to be the czarina of climate change in, in our response. In the Department of the Environment, we're part of that team under her with a, a number of our sister departments. And you know, we're doing two things. We're looking at the energy hogs. So we've begun tracking all the big buildings in the county and which ones are inefficient. And we're coming up with strategies to make them more efficient. And then, to your question, generation, energy generation, clean energy generation. So we have some funding and financing programs through uh, CPACE, which is a way to, to finance clean energy improvements on, uh, on commercial buildings you know, through uh, you know, basically paying it on your mortgage, and then also the establishment of the Green Bank. So Montgomery has one of the most advanced green banks um, in the country that can help find financing for these projects. But what we're looking at is, you know, we need to think big. You know, if we're really going to make a dent in climate change and if we're really going to be the national leader, Doug, you know, we need some game changers. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how can we incentivize or contract large-scale solar generation? There's a lot of empty rooftops. There's a lot of underutilized land in the county. And like you, man, you know, driving past those transmission lines that are owned by the utilities, those seem to me like great places to look at putting solar. If we put solar in those areas, you know, we can conceivably, I think, get Montgomery County off the grid entirely. Okay. I think this is a good time to wrap things up with Mr. Ortiz. Thank you very much for being with us. Doug, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Our engineer today was Mike Valentine. 
Our executive producer is Gaynell Evans, and I'm Doug Tallman. You've been listening to Montgomery Talks. Thank you.